You are listening to the Movie Cheer Podcast. The best place for movie topics and blockbuster discussions. Welcome to Movie Cheer Town. Hey, it's me, AP, aka Mr. Movie Cheer, and welcome to this very first episode of this new magazine, movie magazine analysis show. Um, the title, the working title at the moment is uh, Movie Mag Probe Files. I must say, I've had a few different titles. I don't know if it's a working title, that one. Movie Mag Probe Files, it may change. I've had Movie Mag Real Investigations, uh, Movie Mag Analysis. We might even just call it Movie Mag Analysis. But um, yeah, so. <laughs> The premise of this new show here is I'm going to be looking at different movie mags each episode, movie magazines, and really doing an analysis, analysing them and going into different pages of the movie mags, reading some of the articles briefly, just looking at what is inside these movie mags, because I think it really uh, brings up topics sometimes you miss out when you're just talking about movies in general. I think it's a really cool, I thought it'd be a really cool, cool concept just to look at these things in the movie magazines, some of the behind the scenes stuff, talk about them, discuss them, and get the discussion going. So, uh, let's get to it, let's get to the very first movie mag, and we have got the very first movie mag we're going to be looking at is... This one here, it is the Empire Magazine from January 2017. So uh, this one is, you know, the cover of it, it is it features, well, this is cover two of six. So there must have been, you know, six different uh, editions of this particular Empire movie magazine. This one is, as I said, number two of six. It features K. 2SO on it. I think it was Alan Turek's character in Rogue One, a movie I really do enjoy. I think it's a fa- fantastic movie, Rogue One. And yeah, so the front cover here, it says Star Wars Rogue One, world beating access to 2016's most dangerous mission. And uh, yeah, and on this edition of the Empire magazine, at uh, the top here, it says what year, our huge review of 2016. So it's looking at all the 2016 movies this edition of the empire magazine also has the lord of the rings at 15 years all new interviews uh, and it says plus at the bottom plus why la la land jackie and the fences will win big at the oscars and um, i can't remember which movie actually won at the oscars that year maybe it was la la land uh, but yeah this is january 2017 4.99 uk price in dollars, it is ten ninety nine. I got on eBay, much cheaper. <laughs> so anyway, that's what we're going to be looking at. And this is going to be the magazine we're going to be looking at today on this first edition of, of Movie Mag Probe Files. Let's get into the magazine. So the first part of this magazine we're going to look at today is a, a, a part on Assassin's Creed, the Assassin's Creed movie starring, starring Michael Fassbender. And I'm just going to show it on screen. I will be putting images throughout as well more clear more clear images well yeah so this one says adapt or die now i gotta be honest with you this is a movie i've recently watched for the first time assassin's creed and i thought it was just really didn't do much i I thought the concepts were really cool i think it would have done better as a tv show this movie but adapt or die it says here michael fassbender and justin Kurzel, he's the director, I believe. The duo behind Assassin's Creed think they've finally found the secret to a great video game adaption. Treat 
and it says, treat it like Shakespeare. That must be a quote from them. Um, <laughs> I got to be honest with you. That is... Look, I, I think what they're trying to say here, treat it like Shakespeare. I think what the their idea behind it was an old Fassbender was very much involved. I think he was a producer on the movie. I remember for years, I think he must have been a fan of the video game series. And he was heavily involved and obviously the director as well. Treat it like Shakespeare. I think that is kind of saying, you know, treat it like the source material. If they treat it like the source material, the video games, that is, they can't go wrong. Unfortunately, I don't think that was the case. I don't think... I think they did treat it like the source material, but I don't think it worked transforming it to the movie adaption side of things. Um, I, again, I've never played the video. I played briefly the video games. I couldn't really get past the, the training level <laughs> on the very first one, I think. But uh, I think, from what I gather, it's very much taken from the video games, the concept that it is very much... The story arc is very similar to what the video games is. I may be wrong, but I, I, I assume that is very much the, the case with this. But I just didn't think it hit... I don't know, something about it. I think... I mean... I suppose you could have that with some really big games like Grand Theft Auto, one of the most popular video games of all time, the franchise. Take any of them video games like Vice City. As much as I think it would be cool to see a Grand Theft Auto video game video game movie, as good as the video games are and as best-selling as the video games are, does every video game work as a movie adaption or a tv adaption i don't think it necessarily does i think some some types of media work in the media it is in and i think assassin's creed is one of those that this time round as a movie just didn't adapt well maybe as a tv show it might adapt better i think it personally would work better as a tv show but some things just work well as video games and well as good as movies and they kind of just don't work when they cross over to a different type of media. And I think that is the case with Assassin's Creed. So now we go to page number 12 on this issue of Empire and we go to a page looking at La La Land. I'm gonna give you a little brief, let's have a look at it here. Now, let's talk about this one. So it says here, moving with the times, I'm, I'm pretty sure it did win the Oscar that year. It won, it won tons of awards La La Land. It says here, think updating the musical is a recipe for disaster. La La Land's Ryan Gosling begs to differ. Uh, in this movie, it's it's only a movie I've only watched once, I'll be honest with you. It gives you a really nice preview of this, this movie here. Uh, one photo where he's, you know, he's playing the piano. I think that is, he's like a musician, his character in this movie. Then you get that scene where it's above the city landscape where him and Emma stone and just dancing and you know they're in the cinema in one picture here as well it's a love story this it's a very if i remember it rightly it's a very like weird um story i think in the end as well the 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 way it all pans out uh, for me i i like musicals i do like musicals i'm, I'm i wouldn't say i'm like the a hardcore musical fan but i like grease uh <laughs> Rocky Horror Show, all all the typical ones. I've I've been to a few musicals as well to see you know some of the the shows in London when I've visited London stuff like that, like Jersey Boys stuff like that. Uh, that one that was weird as well. Jersey Boys. You know, this is why I love doing this. This is a great concept for a show, movie mag analysis, because you jump from one point and then you go to another one. But Jersey Boys, kind of like um, talking with the Assassin's Creed and media, you know, going from one media to another. 
Jersey Boys, the one about the Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, worked great as a, a theatre show, and I, I loved it as a musical show. The movie version they did a few years ago just didn't land. I don't think it landed personally. I I didn't really think much of that movie, um, but I think that's the way you know getting onto like you know uh, different types of media, books, whether it be books, video games, and then them switching over to a different type of media to tell it in a different format. Sometimes it doesn't work, and I think you know Jersey Boys is a hugely popular um, theatre show uh, musical. But it just didn't land as a movie. And, uh, you know, that just happened sometimes. I'm, I'm pretty sure Clint Eastwood was a director of that. I think he had, like, you know, it had a good pedigree behind it. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Eastwood anyway. But getting back onto La La Land, I remember watching this. Uh, I, you know, I can't remember any of the music. I think it's all there's original scores, there's some music uh, in there as well, that popular songs and stuff. Uh, but I, I thought it was a really good movie when I watched it at the time. And I was kind of like, thinking prior to watching it maybe it's not going to be my cup of tea just like a modern musical maybe is not as good it's not like a, a Murray Poppins where you got that nostalgia for it but I thought it was really good I, I like Ryan Gosling I like Emma Stone I think they're very talented actors both of them and yeah I, I remember watching it and really enjoyed it, it again it's something maybe that is a movie that I'm gonna have to re-watch because it's it's one I've not watched in years now I probably watched it when it came out uh, I didn't watch it at the cinema but yeah, I thought it was really good, and you know, there was a, I loved the I think the settings to this movie were really nice as well. You get the old cinemas, the really nice backdrops, and like I said, it's a very unusual story if I remember it rightly. And the ending was kind of a bit like, uh, what's that mo- movie where it's like a wonderful life? I think it's a, kind of a bit like that if I'm if I'm remember it rightly, something similar to that sort of vibe. But yeah, La La Land. Uh, I, I enjoyed it when it came out. I thought it was a, a really decent movie. So now we switch gears and we switch to the headline kind of um, part of this magazine, the Rogue One. I mean, I am going to deep dive into more of this magazine, but Rogue One, front cover, and then we get a behind-the-scenes look of the Star Wars spin-off movie here. And I'm going to start off with the first page on page uh, 58 here with the director Gareth Edwards and the main actress uh, Felicity Jones who plays Jyn Erso here and it's behind the scenes shot he's filming her she's behind some sort of wall with a weapon and let's just have a look at this so it says here I love this it says no Jedi no force no lightsabers no hope question mark uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, the franchise's first standalone instalment, sends a squad on an impossible mission, and is Star Wars' biggest change-up yet. Um, I, I completely agree with that. It is a change-up from the from the main franchise, and I'm going to explore this a bit more in more detail. I've looked at more of these pages soon, but let's just talk about this movie. Great movie, 2016. The first spin-off of the Star Wars movies. Really is a game-changer in a way. Uh, it's as it got its faults. Sure, it has. I think the CGI of Moff Tarkin and Princess Leia looks very video gamey. I think if it was done a few years later, it would look better. But it is what it is. You know, it's it's not. I don't think it destroys the movie. I think it's very short scenes. Them two characters are featured. I mean, Moff Tarkin is a bit more, but very minimal appearances in all. And yeah, I, I think it's just a great story because it ch- it's a change up because it doesn't feature. The Jedi, it's very much you no know, lightsabers, it's you know, more of like a war story, and it is a very, very clever story. I think it's really well done. It feels very 
realistic in the world of Star Wars that is kind of very over the top at times, you know, very, you know, lightsabers, Jedi, very different type of movie. And and I, I don't think they've, I think Han Solo kind of like did a very similar thing, it kind of similar, um, sort of that same sort of feel in a way, but it just didn't work as well and it didn't make as much money as Rogue One. Uh, Rogue One was really good. And I think it did, by the sounds of it, it had like a lot of trouble behind the scenes. I think Gareth Edwards, they had to get like a second director to film some stuff. Maybe it was kind of too big of a job, cause, job for him because he come from doing uh, Monsters, uh, like an independent movie. And I don't know if he did Godzilla before this or after, but I think he's still like a very, I think he's still, now, now he's doing, you know, he's doing well. He's doing that new movie, The Creator. But I think he's still like a very much, uh, you know, still early days as a filmmaker, really, as a director in big mainstream movies. And to do to get given Star Wars maybe two or three movies in is a big, big job to take. And I imagine it must have been overwhelming uh, for him. You know, I think anyone would find that overwhelming. Uh, but yeah, great movie. I love the characters. Um, I think the characters of, you know, you've got... Uh, Mads Mikkelsen playing Jyn Erso's father in there. He's a great character. And obviously his brother then, Lars Nicholson, goes on to play Thrawn in the animated and the live action stuff. Uh, a great really cast of, you know, you got the character played by Andor. And then you have the spin-off there of it. And what I love about this is, you know, you see it here in the magazine. But all the different sets, they look like they really put like effort to make it look like the original trilogy. But have like physical sets there and... You know, don't do not doing too much CGI, and obviously CGI is a big part of it. But I think it's nice to see that they really went for that authenticity of what Star Wars is and the way it looked in the original movies as well. Uh, another cool bit here I want to look at is this bit here. Basically, it says the further adventures of Darth Vader, because Darth Vader is featured in this movie, and it's. Other notable non-episode appearances by the Sith Lord. So, appearances not in the main movies. And it shows a bit of a comic book here. And it says, there's some character with like this... It's like a bird character. And he says, he's just told us the name of the pilot who destroyed the Death Star. <laughs> so, I don't know what that bird character is. But you see Darth Vader's presence behind him. Uh, we've got other appearances of Darth Vader. Uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye is a novel... Uh, follow-up novel to Star Wars. Then we got that was 1978. Then we have Planet of Cadrill, 1980, a Los Angeles comet strip that sees um, Darth Vader developing a poisonous gas, naming Passive Fog by putting it into crystal crystals in stormtroopers' breathing filters. He makes them immune. All oh, right, okay. That seems very sinister, very Darth Vader-like. Uh, then we have Shadows of the Empire. Uh, this was. Lucasfilm's own multimedia expansion set before Return of the Jedi. Shadows of the Empire is now considered non-canon. The video game, comic and novel all feature Vader squaring off against a green-faced rival named Prince Exor, boss of Space Mafia, Mafia group Black Sun. Wow, I've mean, it's, it's weird hearing stuff like this because a lot of this... I, I love Star Wars, but I realise how much of Star Wars I don't know of when I read this sort of stuff. Then we have Vader's Quest in 1999. Shadows of the Empire was 96. Vader's Quest in 99, a four-issue miniseries by Dark Horse Comics. And then we have Star Wars Infinities in 2001. The four-part comic series presented a series of what-if scenarios for the original trilogy. That sounds very interesting. I'd love to 
read that if like what if scenarios but yeah some there's some great images throughout this this uh look in empire magazine behind the scenes look at rogue one some great images of just all the different characters i think it is fantastic and really uh yeah a good part of this magazine really it's great as a star wars fan i love looking at behind behind the scenes stuff and reading through this sort of stuff Next, we move to Lord of the Rings at 15. Obviously, now it is a few years beyond 15. I think we're, what are we, 20, 20 plus years now? I think 20 plus years, 21 years, something like that. And here in this, this edition of Empire, there's a bunch of interviews with all the different cast members of, of Lord of the Rings, the movies. I think it's great just to look at what they look like here. And Again, I'll put some images on the screen if you're watching the video version. Um, and let, let's just have a look at it. I'm not going to read every every interview because I think it would I'd be here all night the way I read. <laughs> but we've got one here with Elijah Wood, uh, who played Frodo. And let's see. First one, what surprised you the most about Lord of the Rings? And he says, how intimate it felt. I had nothing to compare it to then, but this quality has become more special over time. All of us embarked on something that has never been done before tucked away in the beautiful New Zealand, and it all felt homegrown, like the world's largest independent film. I think that is... I think a big, I think the big part of why he said that and why it felt like an independent film is because Peter Jackson come from that background. And don't get me wrong, every director comes from that independent film background, but I think what I've read over the years and behind-the-scenes stuff, it seems like that's the feel he was going for and and that's the type of director he is he's he's even though he does the mainstream movies he's more of like an independent film director and his movies have that feel even though they are big budget and um yeah i i mean i i love lord of the rings absolutely you know star wars for sure is my favorite but this is um this is fantastic let's have a look at the other one let's ian mckellen we'll do one more um it's been nearly 20 years since we all first arrived in New Zealand. What are your memories of those first few months? And this is questions by Elijah Wood to E. McKellen. And he says, I am sort of an optimist who only remembers the positives. So discovering New Zealand's culture and scenery sums up the joy of it all. And the family atmosphere Pete Jackson and Fran Walsh nurtured. So, yeah, so I think they, they basically they had a great atmosphere um, throughout this movie. They had, you know, really... A good bunch of people involved with this movie, and Peter Jackson is, you know, he he has done movies since, but it feels like I'm, I know he's done like Tintin, he done, um, what else did he do? He did the he did King Kong, he did that as well. I, I don't know if that was around the same time, and then obviously then he he did the Hobbit movies, but he kind of jumped into that role late on. Uh, but yeah, I. I, I think the great movies, all the rings, and it's nice to see these articles, just having a bit more behind the scenes look and just hearing a bit more from the actors uh, about Lord of the Rings as well. It's and to think how many years it's. I I, I think it's mad now because yeah, it's probably now about twenty years since Lord of the Rings. I think it's two thousand and was it two thousand and one? Was it the first one? No, or was it ninety nine? I can't. Oh man, my my brain. I can't even remember the last when the first one came out. But. Basically, that it's weird to think that there's kids now who are in the twenties who were born when it came out, or whatever. That that's like surreal to me. Like, I mean, it's it's crazy. You think like with that with Star Wars as well, though. It's you know a similar similar thing. Like, it's um, 
Yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it's just one of them. That original trilogy is great. I know they're all about doing more movies. Personally, I, I, half of me kind of like likes the idea that they're going to do more Lord of the Rings movies with the original cast and stuff like that. But then half, then the other half of me is like, I wish they would just leave it. Leave it untarnished because it is a perfect trilogy. I think you can just enjoy that trilogy on its own. And and don't wrong, you can still enjoy that trilogy. It's like, it's it's never going anywhere. It's like Star Wars, you might not like the sequel trilogy, but you've still got original trilogy, the prequels, whatever you enjoy. You can enjoy it as, as you enjoy it and what you think Star Wars is. You don't have to watch all the extended media. And I suppose that's the thing with Lord of the Rings and any of these franchises. You don't have to go into the whole expanded stuff. You can just enjoy what you enjoy, and that's the great thing. But yeah, Lord of the Rings at 15. Now, a few years beyond, but yeah, still great series. We now flick to page 35, and on page 35 we have uh, an advert for the Donnie Darko 15th anniversary release of the exclusive 4K restoration. Let's have a look at this one. Now... I picked this out specifically because, first of all, I, I really do like this movie, Donnie Darko. It is one I've only watched over the past few years, but you've got Patrick Swayze in there, um, uh, what's his name, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, great, you know, first of all, Jake Gyllenhaal, his movies are always fantastic. Um, I, I love that cover, the artwork on that, I think it's superb, I just I love that artwork of that movie, it looks great. And I thought, just let's talk about Donnie Darko briefly. Yeah, it's such a weird movie. And it was a movie recommended by my friend um, in college. And he, he mentioned it, like, saying, like, oh, this is Donnie Darko for years. He said it's one of my favorite movies. And then I ended up checking it out a few years back. And I thought it was great. It's just one of them really weird movies. And I, I always say, I say this, you know, for me, with anything, movies, TV, it's got to have the right amount of weird in weirdness and, and Donnie Darko has really got that it's got like this weird story weird plot and it's a very odd movie but it's it's such a, a great movie it's such a very dark um the tones of it and yeah it's it's one I, I I'm gonna have to rewatch again soon because it is it's a really surreal movie I, I really enjoyed that Donnie Darko but yeah I love this cover as well I think the artwork is great I mean, that, something like that is would look great. I've, this is what I look, like about movie magazines. And first of all, the, the cover art is brilliant, but some of it, even like, th that's an advert, and it looks really cool. An advert for a movie, and I just, I love, it's the same thing with me, the case covers, having the DVDs. Just, for me, I, I really do enjoy looking at artwork of movies and stuff. And when I go, like, move, museums where they have, like, movie sections, I love it. I feel just, like... I can really get my teeth into that sort of stuff. It's something I really enjoy. And uh, yeah, it, it's great. Now we're going to look at the David Brent movie. And there's a little nice little article here with um, <laughs> where Ricky Gervais dissects the, the lyrics from one of the songs. Uh, the song is called Slough. And first, let's... Let's talk about this movie first of all. Um, I'm going to show... Let's show this on screen as well. If you're watching the video... You know, I'm going to show some better shots of this as well, but it is, um, <laughs> so this is one of the songs here. So talk about, let's talk about the movie first of all. Ricky Gervais movie, David Brent, uh, Life on the Road. 
spin-off of the office series i love the office i love the uk one i, I prefer the us one more because i think it's because it has more episodes but i loved it it's one of them shows i used to quote all the time and I, I really enjoyed the movie. It's not spectacular, but it's just—I think it's a fun movie if you like—if you like the show. Uh, I'm not going to sing the whole song. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> but let's have a look at it. Um, so, slow, more convenient than te- a Tesco Express. Close to Windsor, but the properties are are less. <laughs> um, it keys. I can't really, I can't, because it's like handwritten. I can't really, I don't know if I'm saying this right. It keys the business of Britain's great. It's got Europe's biggest trading estate. It doesn't matter where you're from. You want to work, they come along. Then come along. The station's just got a new floor and the motorway runs by your door. <laughs> I'm not reading it at all. all right, I'll do one more. And you know just where you're, you're heading. It's the, I can't say that word. And let me read another. Oh, slow, my kind of town. I don't know how anyone could put you down. I love that. That's nice. As a guy, as a guy from a small town, movie cheer town, it's never. It's always nice to you know big up your town, never put it down. Uh, but yeah, let's have a look at the, some of the some of the interviews as well in this as well. So this is Ricky Gervais being interviewed. Uh, it's a. It's a little throwback to the office, the line of, about the trading state. So I'm sorry, this is about the, the lyrics. And he said, yeah, that, that is true. Brent is very proud that everything in this song is factual, accurate. Brent is such a man out of time. Nobody cares about facts anymore. <laughs> oh, man. It, it, it's kind of true, though. I, I remember in that movie watching it and he's like, he's, he's writing about... Um, I think it's a song. He, he, he's writing a song about Native Americans or something like that. Because the story, of the the movie is like he's going on tour. He's this obviously ex manager, and he decides he's like this forty fifty something guy. He decides to go back on tour, and he and this is why I, I love. I think I love it so much because I kind of like feel like I'm kind of growing into David Brent in a way because <laughs> because I used to be in bands and then I'd not done gigging for years and then. Every, every occasion, you know, occasionally in, in, in a job, I'll say like, yeah, I used to be in a band. And and it's like the same line Brent would say in the office. But he, he, he is like in, in the movie, he's writing a song about Native Americans. And you see him going in. To, he's in his hotel room and his producer comes in. And he's writing it about Native Americans. And he's like Googling Native Americans to make sure it's all like factual, um, which is pretty funny. But it, yeah, it's... A, it's a, like I said, if you, I think if you enjoy The Office, especially the UK, I think you've got to enjoy The UK Office to really appreciate this movie. If you don't like that character, you don't like Ricky Gervais, I know, I think Ricky Gervais is very much a, an acquired taste. Uh, I personally really do enjoy his stuff, but I can understand um, why people wouldn't like him. But look, these the lyrics of this song, the Slough song, the place he's from, the character. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure David Brent is, uh, Ricky Gervais is from Brent from Slough as well, mate. Is he from Slough? Maybe, I don't know. I, I'm i sure he is. No, hang on. I think he's from Reading. He's from Reading. And obviously the office is set in Slough. But yeah, great uh, movie if you if you like Brent, if you like The Office. Uh, definitely one to check out. Um, I can't believe that's been out a few years now. It's yeah, still a fun movie to watch for sure. Now I want to look at uh, another ad here from the move, this movie magazine. And this is on page, what was it? Page 38. And this is... 
For a movie I, I have watched, but I didn't enjoy, I just couldn't get into it. Uh, I watched it, you know, this is, first of all, it's the 30th anniversary of of Transformers, the movie. Um, I, I've watched this for years back. I just couldn't get into it. I never watched it when it came out. Um, so I think people who enjoy it now, maybe have got that nostalgia, or maybe they're just a big fan of the Transformers movie series. But yeah, it wasn't for me, this movie. Um, I know it's a very beloved movie by a lot of people, but i got to say, though, if I'd never watched this movie before, this ad would really um, appeal to me because I think it's it looks great. It looks like, you know, the, the 80s vibe of it, the colours, the, you've got, like, the, the blue, you know, you, it, first of all, you see the, the new case cover for this Steelbook, this Blu-ray release, but then you've got all the different Transformers characters in the background, this space setting, the font of the Transformers movie text is in this like gradient color featuring yellows oranges pinks very you know you know vibrant colors it looks really cool to look at and it would make me look at it and think this is something i would be interested in watching and kind of like even now i'm kind of thinking maybe maybe a rewatch is worth maybe it's worth a rewatch maybe this one and um, but yeah I, I really do love this and this is you know the power of adverts in magazines and adverts and tv tv are great tv is great for showcasing products but i think for movie magazines if you can get the right advert i think same with the donnie darko one but i think this appeals even more because of the 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 look of it the colors it just looks really advertising it obviously i imagine a lot of time this is adults are reading these magazines it's not necessarily going to be kids reading magazines maybe there is children who read them but i think it's more you know the the audience for movie magazines is probably more adults but looking at this as an adult, I as a, as a person who enjoys, you know, I, I like anime, I, I like superheroes, action, sci-fi. I see this; I've never seen it before. This looks appealing to me. I'm thinking, Transformers. Wow, this looks very, very cool. And yeah, it's they've really nailed it on the head. It's basically the cover of the the DVD cover, uh, the the case cover of the of the movie, and then the, obviously you see it within. But then. They just enlarged it, and it, I think it just works really, really well for making people interested in this. And HMV available at HMV, so there's a advert by HMV as well. This one, really well done. I love that. So that is it for the first edition of Movie Mag Probe Files. As I said, the title may change, but this movie magazine analysis show, uh, I've really enjoyed this because it, again. It prompts topics that you wouldn't necessarily always go into, and it, it's it's fun just to deep dive into these magazines and look at the different articles and some of the movies that were mentioned at the time of that magazine release. And I think it's just something fun, something different. But uh, let me know all your thoughts on the magazine today. What are some of your favourite articles? Some of the movie, some of the favourite movies mentioned in this edition of the show and uh, let me know all your thoughts on this magazine what do you think of the front cover of rogue one have you got this copy of this magazine um a lot of questions look, look throw one out there for you all do you read or do you collect movie magazines um i think in in this day and age i think collecting books and magazines kind of is become very niche i know a lot of people do like the subscriptions only for magazines now because they're probably less and less in shops you know uh, especially here in the UK now there's not as many shops I mean WH Smiths there is less and less in them you know you only see them in like train station airports nowadays maybe some big shopping centers but I remember recently over the past few years we 
our home, my hometown got rid of um, WH Smiths. So they don't have an, here in the UK. WH Smiths is one of the, the places where you pick up magazines. Uh, sure, you can get from news agents, but I think it's less and less, and it's more. You know, it's people who's reading newspapers now. Who's reading magazines? I want to know. I love this because I feel like for me, movie magazines is kind of, could become like this new little niche hobby of mine uh, because I, I love reading the articles. I love the the physical aspect that you can use that as a as a as a. I, I'm thinking about getting this framed basically because I love the artwork on it. But you could do that for many different ones. Get them framed, use them as artwork in your movie rooms. I, I I love the idea of collecting movie magazines. I think there's so many different little uh, little treads of awesomeness that are in there to collecting it, and I think it's a really cool niche. But let me know all your thoughts. Do you collect them? What have you ever collected them in the past? What are your thoughts on movie magazines? But yeah, that is it for uh, the first episode of this show. Uh, thank you very much for watching, ladies and gents. Remember to spread a bit of movie cheer. As always, I will see you next time.